Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Believe in OK State podcast. I'm Megan Robinson, joined, of course, by Justin Southwell and Eve Batoba. Guys, not not too much news this week around uh, Oklahoma State football, which, considering the offseason, I will take it. I will take it. But how are you take guys it. doing? You know, we're doing good. Just trying to... Find whatever news is out there, right? <laughs> trying to keep up with, <laughs> trying to keep up with whatever is happening. But sometimes no news means good news. You know, you're just building in silence, letting the team do their thing. Coach Glass taking reins of the off-season program, and just, you know, we'll see. We'll see some of the product during a uh, spring ball. I think that's how coaching staff would prefer to have it. Like, just leave us alone. We don't want to talk to anybody right now. And we're just going to get after it, you know, work, work in the shadows. There might not be a lot of Oklahoma State news. However, there is some potentially big news coming to the college football world. Games might be getting shorter. Sports Illustrated reported rules. Talk re- Sports Illustrated reported talks regarding clock rule changes are in their final stages and could be um, implemented as soon as this fall. There are four rule changes in discussion ranging from not that bad to, wow, that's actually a very big deal. Yeah. <laughs> One consecutive timeouts would be prohibited, prohibited, which is also the rule in the NFL, like when it comes to icing the kicker, situations like that. So that is already a rule in the NFL. That's number one. Number two, no longer extending the first or third quarter for an untimed down if the quarter ends on a defensive penalty. That down would be clocked starting next quarter. Those two not that bad. Makes sense. Not bad at all. Where things get interesting. Number three, the clock will continue to run after offensive game, offense gains first downs, with the exception of inside the two minutes to go in the half. A study shows that that would eliminate seven to nine plays per game. And the biggest one of them all, clock would continue to run after an incomplete pass once ball is spotted for the play, which it's showed research research has showed that could eliminate about 15 plays per games guys what do you think of these possible changes which look like might get the vote in their favor this year i mean 
what are we even doing? Like we're trying to change things that don't need to be changed. And we have so many other things that people bring up that we need to worry about, but let's talk about these. All right. So, I mean, I can just see it now. Hey, remember, uh, Remember back in the day whenever coaches used to be able to make consecutive timeouts? Yeah, man, those were crazy tanks. Like, the game lasted hours because of that. I mean, what? Like, you remember those rare occasions whenever we used to have, you know, untimed downs at the end of first and third quarters? What a nightmare. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Those I'm glad we don't be- have to worry about that anymore. Like, <laughs> those what are we crazy. talking about? But, okay, so – you mentioned like clock continuing to run after the first down except inside a two minute before half. So that's how it's done in the NFL too, right? Yes. I'm not sure. I don't know if it stops at two minutes in the NFL, but I know it runs after a first down. Hence the reason offenses need to like spike it or hurry it up or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. So I'm in favor for anything that mirrors the NFL in a lot of ways. So I think that that's fine if we want to go that way, if it shortens by seven, to nine plays, whatever, what was it? Seven, eight or yeah, nine, seven plays, to nine. And then the other one was like up to 15 plays. Sure. I mean, but if we're talking about those aren't, that's not like a major difference, but if we go on to that fourth proposed rule that you said, like this is almost disrespectful to the game of football. It has how, a how it's huge been played. impact on how it's played. Yeah. I mean, what are we, what are we even talking about? This isn't soccer. Okay, we don't need a running clock. So I don't get this one at all. Now, I will say this. Uh, there is one positive of soccer. There aren't any commercial breaks because they have the running clock. So <laughs> if you really want to make the game shorter, let's talk about all the commercial breaks that we have to deal with. Um, I would say that's going to – people are going to be like, you know, we're going to lose money. You know, that's how we get all of our ad revenue. Listen, there's ways around it because soccer can, they still make money, right? Yeah, okay. it's not the same. I mean, unless you want to see a whole bunch of football jerseys with advertisements all over them, then yeah, you can go ahead it and make money yeah, that way. It doesn't but. have to be that way though, because like I've seen digital ads that are implemented on the field, like, or that's uh, advertisement over MLB. They've, they've had it for, you know, pitchers mount and stuff like that. But ad graphics can pop up on the screen for certain aspects of the game. You know, oh, there's another Paycom first down or another Express Employment Professionals touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, according to our sonic speedometer, Jaden Nixon just reached 22 miles an hour on that kick return touchdown. So there's I feel like there's other ways that we can we can do this. I mean, that's just, you know, that's advertisement overload. I would hate to see that many. Everything doesn't need a sponsor. Okay. Um, You know, the reason why football is as great as it is, especially as a television product, is because of, um, you know, the timeouts is because of the uh, the stoppage in between plays. That's what makes it as uh, profitable as as a business as it is. Now, I mean, with that being said, I just want to talk about how this affects a team like Oklahoma State. I mean, you talk about a team that's especially Mike Gundy, who knows how to manipulate timeouts, who knows how to get teams to spend timeouts whenever they don't necessarily want to because of uh, substitutions or whatever, right? Like getting the team to use consecutive timeouts and like just 
completing them, completely getting them to waste it and burn it. Like that stuff really matters. That all goes into the strategy. And I can't remember for the life of me which player it was that said this. This was probably back in 2014 or 15. Um, I don't know if it was TCU whenever Trevor Boykin was playing there. It may have been Baylor. But they said, look, this is the Big 12 Conference. We play a whole bunch of spread teams. We play a whole bunch of tempo teams all the time. But there is nothing like playing in Stillwater and having to keep up with that offense over there. They just do things at a different speed than everybody else. And I, that always stuck to me. That's really an unfair advantage that we have, um, you know, because of Coach Gundy, because of the way that we, you know, you know, we really harp on that tempo. And whenever you're taking away a – you know, what? what is it, a, the, the clock continuing to run after an incomplete pass? Like, I don't know, it seems, things just seem like it, it's affecting all that. Now, I'll never put it past, you know, Gundy and his ability to actually just take the new rules and manipulate it. But if you're saving an extra 15 plays per game, you know, what are we actually doing? Uh, I remember, like, our team, our school, whenever we were playing anyway, we were one of the first schools in the country that was regularly putting up 80 plays per game. 80 snaps per game on offense. You're just like, what? Like, how is this happening? So, I don't know. I think that can and, be something that uh, that puts us at a disadvantageous situation. But, like, also, like, outside of commercial breaks, okay, if we don't want to eliminate that, official reviews also take up a ton of time. So, yeah. even if we implement this these new rules, out. like, short, we're not, we might not even be shortening the games because some of these games have review after review after review and the game just goes on and on. So if we implement these new rules, there's a potential for the games to last still like way longer than we're anticipating. Cause we're not even considering the actual problem of why the cases that we're playing these long games. Well, it's still going to be a three and a half hour television slot, no matter what. So yeah, you can maybe shorten the play on the field. It's still like in real time, it's still going to last three and a half hours. And the reason why is because at the end of the day, it's a television product and and you have to be able to sell those those commercials. Yeah, I have mixed feelings because like sometimes college football games push like the four, four and a half hour mark and that just gets excessive. And there are times, yeah. too, I think it was the tech game this year. I think the, mm -hmm. the first quarter took an hour. Like, yeah. I, like I looked at the the clock. I was at the game, and I looked. I'm like, we're only three minutes into the first quarter. What what is ha like? Why is this taking forever? So I I see your point. Even I agree that the t like the slot's going to be what it is. But you know, at ESPN, that's when they you know let's say our game ends. If we're a two o'clock game, we end at five instead of six. And then maybe you know here's a fourth quarter of this other game happening of the TCU game. We can put it on our network. Or we go into a scoreboard show. So it's not, it might not necessarily take up that whole time. You just go into the post game, pre game, half, you know, what the scoreboard show is what they call it, um, and just start running highlights of all the other games. I mean, I, I love football. I do. And, you know, but you saw it with baseball with like the pitch clock, you know, those games are, especially Red Sox Yankee games, whew, those things took like four or five hours. And yeah. people love the event. But at a certain point, it's like, especially when it's constantly stopping and being reviewed and there's no flow of the game. It just, it, it's not as That's fun true. if things are constantly, if there's constant, I mean, uh, penalty flags are different, but if the play's stopping, however, I mean, my, my big question with, oh, oh and to your point about the plane, um, I, I read that in a football game, in an average football game, there's only actually 11 minutes of actual playing. The rest is running the clock down, moving the chains, all of that stuff, which wow. 
doesn't really necessarily pertain to this. I mean, it, maybe that makes it nine minutes of playing, but I thought that was so interesting. And when you watch a football game, it's, it's so true. You know, you run a play that takes maybe 10 seconds, maybe 20 if it's a long play downfield, but then it's also, okay, we got to move the chains up. We're going to milk the clock, call our next play, get in formation. Is there a flag? Okay. That stops the clock again. And so that, I just thought that that was a really interesting stat when I read it out of minutes of play and three hours of watching, there's actually only 11 minutes of action happening on the field. Yeah. I mean, we see like the condensed games or the, the highlight games (laughs) and it makes makes it a little bit more of a pleasurable viewing experience on YouTube the next day for some cases. And it's like, man, what if we were just like, yeah, it's, it's impossible for football, but um, that is interesting how it is that that much shorter than the actual experience itself. Look, I'll tell you, if we're trying to create some new rules, you know who they should be looking at is the dang XFL. (laughs) Yes. The XFL has, what is it, like a three-point option? Like, hey, if we want to, you know, after a touchdown, we want to, you know, put three extra points, you back it up to the 10-yard line and you do it that way. Or essentially make it and take it to where, like, after your possession ends, you then go into fourth and 15 and you have the opportunity to get the ball back again. Uh, I love the kickoff rules where it's pretty much like the two teams are 10 yards apart from each other. They engage after the catcher, the returner actually makes the catch. Like that stuff is fun. right? Like it's actually really fun uh, to watch. Uh, Like that's who they need to be looking at if they're talking about these rule changes. You know, some of this other stuff, you know, whatever. How big of a difference is it? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm also saying, though. It's like we're looking at these rule changes and I'm just like, why? Like these these aren't things that people are – really wanting changed in the game of football. Like maybe a few people are concerned about the length of the game, but probably not that many. Like your, your Saturday is going to be spent surrounding your favorite football team. And who cares if it's three hours or four hours, you know, uh, a lot of people like the aspect of overtime and uh, free football. So the longer, the better. So I'm just wondering like, where are these rules coming from? But if we change it too much to look like the XFL, then it's still football, but it's also, you know, we're, we're just changing rules for the sake of changing rules. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I still, I go back and forth. I think it's, if it's going to pick up the pace to where it's a more exciting game where you, it feels more like you're in a two minute drill where, you know, that could be different. Yeah. I can see that. But if it's just, if it just, Oh, it's still the same pace. And I just double check my notes. I don't know if the, the incomplete pass rule. So the, the, um, the clock after a first down, it's like the NFL, but with the exception of inside the two minutes, it would continue to run after a first down. And uh, which I do think that in the NFL, it, yeah, it's, you, it, it doesn't stop. But with the incomplete pass rule, it just says it would um, continue to run after the ball is spotted after an incomplete pass. And I don't have anything written about two minutes. So I don't know if that would apply to two minutes. And if it didn't, if it did not apply to two minutes, that just that changes everything because if you're trying to drive down the field and you're passing the ball, because obviously a run will take up too much time and you know, if it's incomplete, the clock's going to stop. That doesn't really matter anymore, which just can completely yeah, change a game. Yeah. Changes <laughs> that's, everything. That's, that's not football to me. Like that's right. not the two minute drill that we're talking about. So, right. Yeah. So, I mean, a huge part of football is the chess match. It's about, Hey, yeah. understanding when to spike it, when to use the timeouts, all those things. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being an old head and I'm just like, you know, <laughs> keep the thing the way it is. But Old man Eve. Yeah. Get off my lawn. Exactly. But, yeah. but, it, 
if these rules are implemented, because obviously college football and NFL are very, very similar. However, they're also very different as far as some different rules, one foot in bounds versus two for a catch. How difficult would it be for players to adjust to these rules if they've been playing three, four years of college ball without having to worry about the clock running after a first down or an incomplete pass? Well, not to mention they've been playing almost their entire lives with that too, right? True. Like yeah. NFL rules are different from college rules, but college rules are pretty similar to high school and, you know, peewee rules. So it's 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 an adjustment. I mean, you know, it's not to say that they won't be able to adjust because you come into the program, you have practice, the coaches start emphasizing certain rule changes. You know, I've seen it happen in the NFL. Anytime that there's a rules change, you go and, you know, you make sure that, um, you know, you harp on it, you harp on it, you harp on it. But sure enough, at some point during the season, somebody's going to forget. And you're going to be like, yeah, that's one of those things I was implemented this year. And, uh, yeah, you forgot you can't do that, bro. Um, so, I mean, it, it'll be a learning curve, just like anything else is. It'll probably take two, three years for the public even to get uh, fully accustomed mm-hmm. to it. Um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, hopefully it's a rule change that actually makes sense and it's explained, um, as to why it was actually implemented. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think it would be that hard to adjust to the rules. I think it's drilled in your head in meetings and practice over and over and sure you might slip up every once in a while, but I think a lot of like serious college players already look at practice uh, they try to practice as if they're preparing for the nfl so for example yeah we have the one foot rule in college but i don't think anybody's trying to you know take advantage of that rule by only getting one foot in bounds people practice getting both feet in bounds so um i think if you can just align it with the nfl as much as possible that's probably what's best for the game I think the NFL should switch to having one foot in bounds. I do know? too, actually. Yeah, but, but you know, because it's already hard enough to figure out what what is and what isn't a catch in the NFL. So, yeah, facts. And then By it, the way, Des caught it. Des caught it. Wasn't it? There was like a was it Dallas Goddard in the Super Bowl had that catch, and he got both feet down in bounds, and then they're like, but then the ball came loose right here, so and then foot down it's just it's so convoluted with what a catch is and but one other thing we we slowed it down to like right 80 percent of you know whatever and it's like dude this is not real (laughs) um the one other thing i just thought of i'm curious to see how this impacts pre-snap penalties because if the clock's running and you are in a two-minute drill you know and you need to march on the field to win are you going to be playing faster and not with the clock going because you're under more pressure because it's not clock runs on the snap. No, the clock's running. Does that make sense? No. Yeah, that does make sense. Right. Putting a lot more um, importance on the quarterback's cadence. Yeah. Right. I think that um, a lot of, a lot of college teams actually, you don't, you don't see much of a cadence like QBs aren't practicing that whenever they're in college and you know, you, you're going to the, what, to the clap, the clap method because they're in shotgun, especially if they're not under center, you tend to not draw the defensive line offsides as much. And in a spread offense, of course, you don't see a lot of QBs going under center. So I think that would have a tremendous impact. Like whenever you watch the green Bay Packers, I mean, it feels like every single week, 
Aaron Rodgers is getting free plays from <laughs> being able to manipulate the, the yeah. cadence. Like, I think he is the best in the NFL at it. I was actually really surprised in the Super Bowl watching Jalen Hurts do the same thing. I think he got like two, like like 15 extra yards from being able to, uh, you know, use the cadence against uh, an aggressive Kansas City defensive line. So, um, you know, things that are taught in the NFL that, um, you know, aren't necessarily taught in, in college, but if college coaches can actually start coaching that up, um, you know, it could be something that's advantageous to a, um, to a QB and an offense in the, in the college level. Yeah. We shall see what happens. We will keep you updated as we learn more about these role changes and if they are voted on. They've been in – they and the last thing, this is not new this year. They have been talking about implementing these changes for a few years now. This is just the first year that they've actually gained traction. So this is not just completely out of left field. This has been brought up in the past, but now people are like, you know what? Maybe we should do this. Enough about generic college football. This is the Believe in OK State podcast. So let's talk a little bit about some of our incoming transfers because we haven't talked enough about them. Rankings have been updated and the results are in. 13 transfer guys, four were uh, re-ranked as four-star recruits, nine three-star the national ranking was 14 and big 12 ranking guys. We came in at number two. Like, are we, are we good at recruiting? <laughs> are we good at this? Are we good? I at would so. And <laughs> it goes back to even before the, uh, the transfer portal was officially a thing. We were already one of the most forward thinking schools when it came to grad transfers. Okay. Because grad transfers didn't have to sit out in years. So after the transfer portal actually became a, a, a real thing and you no longer had a, um, you know, a sit out a season of eligibility. Well, Gundy can go into any press conference and say all he wants. Yeah. We don't really believe in a transfer portal, but the facts are the facts. You know, he, he has been going into transfer portal and recruiting heavily, um, in that thing. So <laughs> I, I, I still get confused about what the heck he, he, he meant whenever he said last season that they don't go into the transfer portal or they don't believe in the transfer portal because you're seeing the results. Um, you know, of course, the results really show during the actual season. But as of right now, I mean, come on, these these uh, whether it's a recruiting coordinator or these coaches, they are all going to work um, with the transfer portal. So it's just crazy to me how you can get a ranking coming out of high school and now you're also able to get a ranking as you transfer. Right. Like it's, it, it's wild to me, but Hey, if it benefits the athletes, more power to them. If it benefits Oklahoma state, more power to it. Yeah. As far as finding talent, Oklahoma state might be the best in the country at recruiting, especially if you consider budget and the, that we allocate toward it because now they're not always going to be the highly touted four and five star players that you'd want to see coming out of high school, but Oklahoma state knows how to find and develop, develop talent. Uh, they might not be on the radar of Ohio state or LSU, but the coaching staff at Oklahoma state can develop them into the guys that can be on that level. Prime examples in Tanner McAllister and Jared Bernard Converse. Um, mm -hmm. And here's, I think, a decent example of that for my position group and the wide receivers. How many teams wish they could have either three-star John Paul Richardson or three-star Brennan Presley? Probably a, lot of, probably a lot of teams out there. Yeah. Okay, well, we had them both at the same time. 
Okay, like we are that good at recruiting. Hey, wait a minute. We had Tylen Wallace and Mr. Washington, uh, James Washington, both at the same time as well, right? So that's a really good point you're making there, Justin. And, you know, and I get it. Like JPR, he wanted to leave because he wanted full-time reps in the slot. At least that's what we've been told. It's impossible to do whenever you got Presley lining up and splitting time with you. So do I wish we could have figured out a way to keep him here and schematically work around that and have them both compete? Of course. But at least we're in that position to begin with, to have them both here at the same time. And it's because we're that good at recruiting. And and it hurts to see guys like Boogie and Bryson Green leave in the transfer portal because we have, we've worked so hard to get them here. And we've worked yeah. so hard in recruiting, finding that talent just to have them leave for another team. Okay, that stinks, but what can we do but move on and go get yeah. Dijuan Shribling and Arlen Bruce the fourth and Leon Johnson the third? Let's develop develop those guys who want to be here and work with one of the best receiver coaches in the country. Yeah, I mean the time the times have changed, and I think it goes to show that it's one thing to be able to recruit the players and get them on campus. It's another thing to be able to retain the players and keep them on campus. And I think that's probably where you know we need to maybe, maybe th- put a little bit more of our resources in. I think there's probably going to be more of an emphasis on that uh, after seeing what happened this year. Well, I, there I better like be. You, you have to you have to develop you have to adapt to that, and I think that they're starting to realize. You know, hey, maybe we could use the transfer portal like we have been, but we don't want to. I think that that's what Gundy was saying, what you mentioned, Eve. Like, I don't believe in the transfer portal. It's not that he doesn't believe in it. It's that he doesn't want to use it Like, if he doesn't have to. We've already recruited our guys. We just want to develop that talent, let them come up. We don't want to bring in anybody from the outside and let them take a shortcut and cut them in line as far as like the next person who's going to be stepping up. And, yeah, but we've and already that been play, doing that. So. Yeah, I mean, whenever we have to, but like it is a matter of depth in some cases. Um, And then, yeah, whenever we have a mass exodus like we saw this year, you have to go into the transfer portal and and it's looking like it's paying off. So, I mean, we're we're coming up on this next season and I'm kind of starting to get hyped up whenever you see the new – star rankings come out and you know how how the talent is going to fit in with what we've already got how much weight do you how much value do you put on stars <laughs> really not that much i mean especially with kind of what i just said as far as the way oklahoma state is able to develop that talent whenever they get on to campus um you know i mean how many five star athletes were playing in the super bowl this last year i don't i don't think it was that many right I don't. I would have. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, yeah. I mean, Jalen Hurst was a five-star athlete playing in Super Bowl, um, but I mean, I, I will say that the way that rankings have been done in the past and yesteryear compared to how rankings are being done now, you do tend to get a lot more accurate um, uh, assessment of, of where yeah. players are supposed to be, right? Like nowadays, you know, I think back in the day, you get a Bobby Wagner, two-star recruit, goes on to be a Hall of Fame level. Uh, linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks and the and the LA Rams, but nowadays you're actually starting to see the guys who are five star recruits going into college tend to also be first yeah. and second round picks in in the NFL, and you know actually go on to to live up to the hype more than they have in the past. And I think that's just an emergence of analytics. That's people being better at capturing uh, capturing data. Um, now, you know, with that being said, there are a lot of stories, I think, especially at programs like Oklahoma State, where you're finding a bunch of diamonds in the roughs. And, you know, getting right. uh, Marcel Aitman, 
you know, coming into the program and he goes on to the NFL. And I think he just had a huge play in the XFL this past weekend too. So mm-hmm. uh, and, life. it's, it's kind of a, not, I would say like, not like one-off people, I guess is the way that I answer that question. Because if we get a one-off four or five star every once in a while versus the Georgias and Alabamas and Ohio States and Clemson's of the world that are bringing yeah. in multiple five-star four-star talent, uh, that's why they're competing for championships. So I'm not going to dismiss right. the fact that just because you're four or five star doesn't mean you're going to p- not pan out to be that. Like more often than not, I think that they do, and that's why they're able to be in that position to be able to compete for championships on a regular basis. I think that these two, like the the transfer portal stars, are really just talking points. People love to debate. They love to say, "Is this guy really that good?" And while I agree with Justin's point, like a four or five star recruit coming into college, and those things do matter based on analytics, I also think it's just one more talking point. And just because you're a five star recruit in college does not mean you're going to have a successful NFL career and vice versa. You can be a zero star recruit in college, work your butt off, make a team, continue to work your butt off. And, you know, like how many stars did Tom Brady have coming into going into Michigan? I, I don't know, but look at him now, you know, like Malcolm Rodriguez. I don't think he had many D1 offers. I don't know if he had any stars. He's now a starter on the Lions. And if he continues to play like he's played, he could have a very successful NFL career. So I think they, I do think that they matter, but I also think these transfer ones particularly are just talking points at that point. Who cares? Go play, play to win, put a hundred percent effort in like that. Those are the things that do matter. If I have a son that is talented enough to play college football, I don't think I want him to be a five-star recruit. You know? I, <laughs> give, give me a three-and-a-half, four-star son, put a little bit of chip on his shoulder. You know, Maybe that gives him a little extra extra boost, right? an extra chip that gets him uh, to perform at a higher level than he thought he'd be able to. Well, hey, hey, uh, Justin, you have, you have a son. How would you – what – how would you feel if if Camden was a we, yeah we've actually star. yeah we we've written out Justin's son's destiny for him. <laughs> it's it's good it's a positive thing it's definitely going to Oklahoma State so doesn't have a choice unless unless Princeton comes calling stop we've had this conversation OSU Princeton of the Prairies that's right well yeah. orange and black true story for those who don't know our colors are orange and black because we had a tie to Princeton and they're like they're orange and black we want to be orange and black that was facts um, Princeton of the Prairie baby yeah. we used to be the Tigers and all yes, that we did yeah yeah but anyway <laughs> hey fun facts a little OSU trivia if, it, if that ever comes up at a trivia night at the bar yeah. Last night I didn't go, but my coworkers went to trivia and they had a, they're like, what's OSU's motto? And they guessed like loyal and is like three words that make up OSU's motto. What would you guys say that it was? Loyal and true. Okay. Justin. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, three words that make up our motto. Yeah. Ride, ride, ride. Yeah. I, loyal and true. It can't be like just football. I would say discipline and toughness, but uh, yeah, it was like scholarship, something, yeah, something the, else. It was like the three pillars of like a land grant. You know, okay, I've, I've seen, like, I've seen that the academic logo. Yeah, that's. Yeah, but I'm like, that, is that the motto? Because I would say go pokes, which is not three words. I understand that, and or loyal and true. Here comes bullet. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ooh, that's a good one. Kimono. We are cowboys. Dun, 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 dun. Wait, that's not. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. That's a commercial. It is a commercial, but you knew where I was going. Is it because we are farmers? Is that where that's, you're going with that? You know. Yeah. Either way, it's not scholarship and. Yeah, but that was. Stuff. Yeah, so that was what I learned today, and I was like, "That's not that." So that's kind of like uh, Harvard with their like Veritas type of thing, like their their motto of like truth and something. I don't you know. know, I guess at the end of the day, it is a higher education institution, so <laughs> you you got to put something like that in there. Yeah, <laughs> only loyalty and truth matter. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> Uh, let us know what you think football should be. Well, before we go, it's time for Oklahoma State Athletics news and notes. Right before we started recording this podcast, we found out that Oklahoma State baseball won their home home opener this week today, two nothing, and pitched a combined no hitter. So let's go! Great job, great job, baseball. Keep it great up. Great job, baseball. Like, after hey. that. Blowout loss to Arkansas last week. It wasn't great, but hey, it's fine. No hitter, Obrate season opener. Get your tickets. Go see a game this year. It's going to be a long baseball season on the way to the College World Series. So, you know, a little hiccups along the way. Nothing we can't overcome. Also, last week we talked about how uh, Wrestling Bedlam was coming up. Oklahoma State won again. So those students fans hating on us, saying, calling us little brother. Uh, We just won 17 straight. Uh, bedlams and haven't lost at home in wrestling since 1999. So, um, Suck it, OU. think, think big picture, not just football because, uh, we own you. What, what's really crazy about that, Meg, just real quick, like Oklahoma historically has a really good wrestling program and they are really good. It's just that Oklahoma state's that much better. And, uh, it's nice that we have that over them uh and i know like a lot of ou fans don't care about wrestling uh but they should because you there's it's a like a really good program but i will say like there's so many parallels between that and the reverse side for us for football it's like we're so good in this last decade and then come up short so many times so hey uh we can relate to you even if you are if you're, if we're brothers, we can relate. So what's crazy to me too, is that Leroy Smith, John Smith's older brother, they grew, so they grew up OU fans for people who are unaware. The Smith family grew up in they're from Dell city, Oklahoma. They grew up OU fans. John Smith is being recruited by OU and he ultimately chose OK state. So what's just insane to me that if he did not, if he made the decision to go to OU, the wrestling trajectory here could be a completely different story because without Leroy, you don't get John, you don't get Pat, you don't get Mark. So thank wow. you, Leroy, for making that decision because I think it was Pat was the four-time All-American and four-time right. champion. And, you know, John Smith has been the coach here for 30-plus years, Olympic gold medalist. Like, so that decision from Leroy is why the entire Smith family is now synonymous with OSC wrestling. And it could have easily gone a very different way. So history with Meg on the believe in OK state podcast. I, love it. <laughs> uh, I did a 45 minute documentary on the program. So nice. I, I've taken a deep dive into OSC wrestling, um, but more as everyone should. 
Yes, you can watch it on Inside OSU. Justin, you're a wrestling fan. You should watch it. You might like it. Um, but more, more positive Oklahoma State news. Our indoor track team, the men, yeah, unofficial indoor world record for the DMR, the distance medley relay at the Arkansas qualifier over the weekend. A DMR is a comb- it's a relay race with a 1,200, 400, 800, and 1,600. Ryan Shoppy, who ran the mile, yo, he did it in three minutes and 52.84 seconds. That's less than a minute a lap. Like, that is half my mile time. That is absolutely insane. Like, That's yo, crazy. I wish. My my hamstrings <laughs> just got tight thinking about that. I used to absolutely hate running the 400. I can't even imagine doing an 800. Like, like, 800 sounds like the worst race in track and field. Oh, it's like, just out there killing it. But I mean, and I mean, I think my best mile ever is like six fifteen, and he ran it in under four. And I'm like, that's just that's silly. Yeah, that's that's, silly. that's some superhuman stuff right there. Yeah. I tell you, every time I think about OSU track and field, I think about the year that Tyreek Hill joined. Like he he's like, hey, here I'm I'm here, guys. I'm I'm at Oklahoma State. I think I'm gonna run track, and then he just goes out there and completely dominates. <laughs> right? It's like I have actually his times here, like his personal best, ran the sixty meters six point six one. Right, hundred meters, ten nineteen, and then two hundred meter, twenty fourteen, all American in the indoor two hundred meter dash, okay. and now he's still. I think I believe he's he's still the school record holder for the indoor sixty meter and the indoor two hundred meter, and uh, he was a Big Twelve champion in the indoor two hundred meter dash. Like he just comes in, he's just like, yeah. I mean, I know I, I do football, but let me let me go try my hand at this whole track and field thing. It's just ridiculous. Like ridiculous. Three fifty two. I'm just trying to like. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Like. Go to the gym this week and get on a stationary bike and try to get a mile under four minutes. Like it's hard on a bike, and <laughs> the dude is doing it with his legs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, it's going to be fun to root for him in the Olympics. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's just, it's just. I remember in high school, I ran winter track for my sophomore year in between field hockey and lacrosse season to stay in shape. And I was in the best shape of my life. And I actually won medals because I was on relays with very fast people. You won medals. I remember I came home one day from a meet. I was like, mom, I got a medal. I think I actually have a DMR medal. I, I think I ran the 800 in that. Ooh. And yeah. And cause I wasn't about to run the, the 1600 and that, you know, the 400, they needed someone faster. And I just ended up in the 800, but everyone else was fast enough that well, my mom's like, are you kidding me? Like you are not fast. How did you win a track medal? And I have two, but, um, where was I going? I remember one, one time we had a meet and like, I would just run different events. I didn't really have one. It was literally to stay in shape and I didn't even want to compete. I just wanted to do the training, which is like great. I was like, I'm terrible. And we had a meet and I had to run the 600 and they put me against like this all American who was like literally being recruited by D1 schools. And I'm like, why am I running against her? Like she, she, in a 600 meter, I'm pretty sure she lapped me. And I'm like, this is just so embarrassing. <laughs> finished like 30 seconds and here I am trotting around at like 50. Oh, it was, it was a, a 600 meter, maybe more than 50 seconds, but you know, you get the point. It was. Sometimes yeah. you get stuck in those tough heats and it's just. Like I'm just gonna it's, it's fine, but I have I have two winter winter track medals, so I love it. <laughs> Don't mind me, three sport athlete over here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then in softball news, OSU shortstop Kylie Naomi was named Big Twelve Player of the Week, her first weekly honor of her career. She had an incredible performance at the Tax Act Clearwater Invitational last week. She went seven for 12 at the plate with four home runs, including a two home run game in back-to-back at-bats for Virginia Tech. 
hit her first career Grand Slam versus Louisiana, plus seven runs scored and 12 RBIs. Out in the field, she was uh, responsible for three putouts, 12 assists, and zero errors, maintaining a perfect fielding average. And her batting percentage, or her batting average, sorry, her batting average was almost 600. Like, what? Sheesh. Oh, my goodness. You know what's really cool? What's really cool about that is she has her first career Grand Slam against Louisiana. I think it was in Louisiana, too, wasn't it? Uh, I think they're in Florida. Oh, okay. They're, they were in Florida. Got you. But she's from she's from Lafayette, Louisiana. So it was cool that she's able to do that against you know uh, one of the Louisiana teams. So um, shout out to you, Kylie. Re- really, really good job. And hey, it seems like she's been at OSU for forever, right? I think she's like a graduate student now. But you know what? Uh, it's going to be sad whenever she she leaves after this season. So while she's here, let's just you know savor the moments as much as we can because uh, she just keeps climbing her way up the OSU record books every single week. The Cowgirls, for those who are big softball fans, softball is a very popular sport here at Oklahoma State. They are back in action on Friday the 24th against New Mexico in the Troy Cox Classic hosted by New Mexico State. If you plan on taking a trip to Las Cruces for – this weekend series of games, do yourself a favor, go to Andale's Mexican restaurant, best green chili I've ever had. I have dreams about it. So if you were in Las Cruces, please just eat green chili from Andale's for me because it will change your life. New Mexico, they don't mess around with green chili. They know what they're doing. So and Las Cruces. I haven't been there, but I would recommend it just based on that review. It's so good. Las Cruces is only an hour north of El Paso. So you're basically like an hour 10 from actual mexico so trust their green chili oh yeah yeah hey i tell you what the closer you get to mexico the better the food gets so good so that's my travel advice for all you poke stands heading out to new mexico for this weekend's games and that's it that's all we have for this episode of the believe in ok state podcast presented by bet online as always we appreciate you listening like share subscribe comment follow all of the things we appreciate each and every one of you listening i'm meg joined as always by justin and eve and go pokes go pokes go pokes loyal and true (laughs) 